And welcome to Varsity Videos, brought to you by the OHIO Podcast. Here at Varsity Videos, we review and rank sports films from the Super Bowl to the Toilet Bowl. I am your host, Chris Wilds, a self-proclaimed popcorn expert and a podcaster. And today I am joined by my co-host, Eric Boggs. Eric, how are things today? Things are well today, my man. How's things going with you and Bobby and the uh, Girl Scout cookies? Are you guys about to sold them all out? Well, I'll tell you, we were going slow for a while, but uh, here in the last week, we've hit a, a major spurt, and we're actually having to go get more to sell. So, Oh, my goodness. Business is picking up, as they Business say, huh? Business is booming. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been great with those cookies. And, you know, you know what grows great with cookies? A good it's movie, a good man. Movie. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Eric, I'm going to jump right in with a little bit of movie news here. Let's do it. I, I don't know if you've heard or not. Netflix is at it again. Uh, on our last episode, we discussed Home Team, which was a semi-biographical story of uh, Sean Payton and his year out of the NFL following the Bounty Gate scandal. And while it had some moments, I think we can both agree there were some mixed feelings about the success of the film and the story it was trying to tell. Well, Eric, they're doing it again. They're going to try to go with another semi-biographical uh, film. This was an adaptation of the 2014 British documentary uh, Next Goal Wins, which follows the American Samoa soccer team, which I don't know how, how uh, much you keep up on soccer, Eric, but they suffered the worst loss in World Cup history. They lost 31 to nothing to Australia oh in 2001. Wow, so film, I didn't hear about this. Yeah. 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 This film stars Michael Fassbender, who a lot of people will know from uh, Prometheus or as Magneto in some of the newer X Men movies. Mm, okay. Uh, will Arnett, who's a very, very funny actor, you know, probably best known for his time on Arrested Development, but he also voices one of John's favorite characters, which is Lego Batman. Uh, you know, Reese Darby uh, is in this, as well as Elizabeth Moss, who's a wonderful actress. She does. She's mainly known for her television work. Uh, she's been on Picket Fences, The West Wing, Mad Men, and ha uh, Handmaid's Tale. I used to love Picket Fences. Yes, so did I. Tom Skerritt, one of my favorites ever. Uh, so, Eric, the premise of this film is after suffering a 31 to nothing loss in the 2001 World Cup, the American Samoa soccer team recruits a down-on-his-luck Maverick head coach, which is played by Fassbender, to help them resurrect their soccer program as the 2014 World Cup approaches. Now, Eric, I really kind of want to see how this turns out. They have a, you know, a plot base that has worked in the past. You think about it, Cool Runnings, mm -hmm. uh, Eddie, Eddie the Eagle. Mm -hmm. even, even really going back to Hoosiers, you have the down on his luck or disgraced coach angle that, that has played very well in those films. Right. Uh, you've got respectable star power. Mm -hmm. And you've got a writer-director in uh, Taiki Wadidi. Mm -hmm. Boy, Aaron would call me a, what, what is it, an uncultured swine right there? Uncultured swine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the writer-director is coming off a 2020 Oscar win for the best screen adaptation for Jojo the Rabbit. And it which, which is a, which is a hilarious movie if you've never yes, seen. Yes, yes. I mean, it was also nominated for Best Picture of the Year. So the movie seems like it should have. It should be a quality film. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, that being said, Netflix has had this scenario before with Home Team, which we just reviewed. Mm-hmm. A good story premise, good actors, and a good director, but they just really failed to put it all together. So, as, as this is coming out, Eric, I, I've got two really questions for you. One of them, what are your thoughts about the film itself, and more so, what are your overall feelings of Netflix as a production and distribution company in general? Yeah, so I feel like Netflix does one of two things. They either strike out or they hit a home run. Yeah. There there have been some Netflix films I've watched where I was like, okay, that should have been in the theaters. That was really good. And there have been other ones where I'm like, this is just – this is terrible. I, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on this one, Chris, because I think Fassbender is a phenomenal actor. Yes. Um, I'm excited to see him in that role. And to to boot, we uh, I just got done watching Pele, Birth of a Legend, which is a film that's in our 64 Sports Movie yes. Challenge. And I really enjoyed that movie. And so even though I'm not a soccer fan, per se, like sports in general uh, excites me. And I, I love sports movies. So I'm going to give this the benefit of the doubt. I'm actually looking forward to that one. I don't know if you remember, Chris, a couple weeks ago we talked about um, a, a film coming out called Hearts of Champions. Yes. Do you remember that, Heart of Champions, about the rowing team that had Alexander Ludwig in it? Uh, as the main role, Michael Shannon as Coach Murphy. I just got done watching that last night. That, live up to that movie is awesome. Check it out. Oh, I definitely will. It, it hit on all cylinders throughout the entire film. And even though it does not have a very good rating on Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, I don't know what they're watching because this film – it's got a little bit of it's got a little bit of that late teen, early twenties in college coming of age vibe to it, with a coach with a backstory that's very interesting, and of course you got you got the whole college scenario that they can play on really well. This this film, if it wasn't about rowing, it could be about anything else, and it still would work. That's what I nice. love about it. That's yeah, what I love about it. Check that out, man. Heart of Champions. Heart of Champions. I will definitely check that out this week. So, Eric, let's do jump right in, get to our matchups for this week in our 64 movie challenge. We had some really good films this week. And then we had, well, a sequel that was less than. Let's just go with that. (laughs) Well, which bracket do you want to start off with, my man? Well, Eric, let's, let's go to the Olympic bracket because we, we were chatting a little <laughs> bit about this before the uh, the uh, show started here. We have what, Miracle versus the Bronze. So yeah. I, I want to get your take here. Yeah, so the Miracle is a true story about Coach Herb Brooks, the player-turned-coach who led the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team to victory over the seemingly invincible Soviet squad. Of course, you got um, the uh, famous announcer uh, – uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't even remember his name now. Does Monday Night Football for a long time? Michaels, I think. Al Michaels. Al Michaels. Al Michaels. Yes, Michaels. there it is. Al Michaels, who has the infamous call, "Do you believe in miracles?" You know, which is what the 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 film adaptation that Disney did uh, with this film. Just an amazing film, all time classic. Ever, just about everybody's seen it. Even if you're not a a hockey fan, you know about Miracle. And even if you've not seen the film, you still know about the story. 
versus the bronze, a foul mouthed former gymnastics bronze medalist with local celebrity status reluctantly trains a rising Olympic as, um, or aspirant. And this move, this comedy is hilarious. It's got Melissa Roch, who plays uh, on, you said, uh, was a Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. She's Bernadette, yeah. Yeah, Gary Cole, who plays her dad. He's a he's a good actor. Um, you got Sebastian Stan playing the infamous Lance Tucker in this film. You've got the hopeful boyfriend in Thomas Middle Ditch, who plays Ben Lawfort. This movie is is it's one of a kind. <laughs> it's the best way I yeah. can say. You know, it's very funny, Eric. It really is. It's it's not a bad film. It's really not. Uh, definitely, you know, it had to go in the Olympic bracket. It was not going to be in the family-friendly films. No, definitely <laughs> this, not. This definitely was not going there. Uh, but but as I said before, I will never, ever be able to watch The Big Bang Theory the same way again because uh, Melissa Rocha's performance was just, it was, it was great. It was and, and like you mentioned, she shows a tremendous range of what she can do going from one character there to the other. Uh, yeah, just I thought it was a very funny film. Uh, again, I love Gary Cole. Uh, you know, he uh, he just I, I think I first really liked him when I, I saw Office Space. Yeah. As, as yeah. Boss, so then, I'm going to need you to, uh, yeah, move to the basement there. And, and yeah, now he's, you know, I don't know if you're aware now he's back on TV. Uh, he plays on NCIS now. Oh, no, I was not aware. Yeah, of that. He, he took the, he took the part of uh, basically the, the Gibbs style character where both okay. went to fully behind the camera. Uh, and then, uh, you know, another another sports movie. I love him in dodgeball. Mm. His commentary with Jason Bateman. I totally forgot about him being in that. Yes. Hilarious. Uh, Yeah, I think they had a great cast, a great ensemble uh, overall. But you know what? It just had the bad luck of running up against a truly iconic film in this first round. Yeah. Because Miracle is just by far the the better movie. So I'm going to go with Miracle. Yeah, and I am as well. But it, again, uh, Miracle's the third ranked film in this bracket. The Bronze is 14. The Bronze, in my opinion, is better than 14. Oh, Somewhere probably around 7 to 10 in that range, I would think. But um, I, I commend the three people who actually voted for the Bronze Mr. Joel Twitty, Debbie Baston, and Chris Stevens. Um, you were outvoted 40 to 3, but hey, I commend you for voting for that. With Chris and mine vote, uh, we're, that means the miracle is going to move on over the bronze and the Olympic bracket. Which bracket you want next, my man? Let's talk family friendly next one because it's got a movie I absolutely love in it. Okay, family friendly. Here we go. So we've got number eight seed Little Big League against number nine seed Kicking and Screaming. Up first, Little Big League from 1994. This film is about a young boy who is bequeathed the ownership of a professional baseball team, that professional baseball team being the Minnesota Twins. Um, and it stars Luke Edwards as Billy Haywood, uh, Timothy Bushfield, who plays a great role in Luke Collins. Uh, you've got Kevin Dunn as kind of the GM and Arthur Goslin. Uh, those are some of the big names. Oh, Dennis Farina is George O'Farrell, the, the, the head coach he fires. 
which I think is just a great scene. Dwayne Davis plays Jerry Johnson. He's been in a lot of sports films, including the program, most notably. Um, good, good film. Great action in the film. I thought the baseball was great. and I loved how in this movie they used the real professional uh, baseball players, major leaguers at that time. So, yeah, loved, loved, loved that. That was your number eight seated movie. The number nine seated movie is probably one that uh, in recent years was very popular. Kicking and Screaming. Family man Phil Weston, a lifelong victim of his father's competitive nature, takes on the coaching duties of a kid's soccer team and soon finds that he's also taking on his father's dysfunctional way of relating. Will Ferrell plays Phil Weston. Uh, Robert Duvall plays his dad as Buck Weston. You got the neighbor, Mike Ditka as Mike Ditka. Uh, you got Kate Walsh as Barbara Weston, who is the younger new wife of Robert Duvall. So Will Ferrell's uh, Will Ferrell's new stepmom is the same age as he is, and they have a child uh, who is Josh Hutchinson, who uh, plays Bucky Weston, who's the same age as his own son, Sam Weston, played by Dylan McLaughlin. So good cast, um, very good cast. Very funny moments in this movie. Another kind of uh, coaching movie, if you will, but on a comedy side of things. I have a feeling you love this movie, knowing knowing you, Chris. Yeah, little big league, cute, good movie. Some funny scenes. I, you know, one of my favorites. You talked about it already. The the scene where he fires the coach, but come on, the the scene where he gets kicked out of the game and his mom benches him for a game. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, but, you know, kicking and screaming, one of my favorites. Will Ferrell, absolutely great. Uh, you know, he he actually reminds me a, a little bit when I coached Little League, minus the daddy issues, you know. Uh, <laughs> Robert Duvall as, you know, Ferrell's dad is, he's a perfect antagonist. He's great. Another good one where he plays kind of the antagonistic father is, uh, uh, what's the one with Vince Vaughn? Four Christmases. I don't know if mm. you've seen that. But he's tremendous in that 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 movie as well. You know the my favorite is, my favorite Robert Duvall role is as the crew chief in uh, Days of Thunder. Oh yeah, I yeah. think he's a phenomenal plays a phenomenal role in that one. Well, he's just a tremendous actor. You go yes. back and look at that. You look at his overall filmography. I mean, this guy was in The Godfather. You know, yeah. He he is just tremendous. Um, but the cast of kids, I thought the kids were great. Uh, and, of course, Mike Ditka. Ditka is awesome in this movie. Uh, and the interactions between him and Farrell are absolute comic gold. It's like, go get me a juice box, juice box. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it still kills me. So, yeah, kicking and screaming for me by far was, was better. Mm, so, really? Yeah. I have struggled with this one. Um Chris, to be honest with you, um, I have not seen Little Big League since, well, I was probably in junior high when it came out in 94. And uh, I, when I sat down and started watching, I actually rented this one off of, uh, I believe it was YouTube TV because I couldn't find it anywhere free yeah. or, or uh, at the library. So I actually rented it. And uh, my stepson, who does not like baseball at all, 
it caught his attention and he sat down and watched the whole thing with me. And that's a rarity for this boy because he's all about uh, Xbox right now and video games where kicking and screaming did not keep his attention, which I thought was very interesting. Um, I think kicking and screaming has a problem and it's Will Ferrell because Will Ferrell, I think, is in so many comedic movies that some of his characters kind of have an overlap. I can see that. And this particular Will Ferrell character is one I think he overdoes kind of playing the idiotic adult who's still a juvenile type of mentality. Um, and so I feel like a little bit of that maybe is, is the issue I have with the movie, but I'm going to actually agree with you, Chris, and say, even though Will Ferrell kind of felt watered down to me a little bit, I still think that movie has more to offer than what Little Big League did. Um, Little Big League doesn't hold up as well. There's a lot of like you have to suspend belief a lot in that movie, yeah, um, for it to work. Where little, where kicking and screaming kind of works. So you can actually see a lot of that actually playing out in real life. So we're actually for the first time, Chris, we're gonna go against the fans. They chose Little Big League over Kicking and Screaming 28 to 11, but with your vote and my vote, which counts as two-thirds, Kicking and Screaming is going to get the upset and becomes the first movie that was ranked lower in our um, in our 64 Sports Movie Challenge to get that upset and move on to the second round. Ugh. Eight versus nine. I don't know how much of an upset it really is, but, you know, yeah. It is the first official upset zone. It is. All, All right, man. Uh, Family uh, friendly or sequels? Sequels it is, man. Okay, let's do this one because this is uh, – <laughs> This was a uh, – can we say blowout? Is it all right to say blowout already? Eric, I know that you're loving every minute of talking about this. So. Okay. <laughs> From 1979, Rocky II, the number one seed in the sequels challenge bracket. Rocky struggles in family life after his bout with Apollo Creed while the embarrassed champ essentially um, go, go, um, goads himself to accept a challenge for a rematch. And before we go any further, Chris, I think I've told you this before. Rocky 2 is actually my favorite Rocky movie. Yeah. Yeah, we we've had this go around before. I'm 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 still the original is still it for me, but 2 isn't far behind. Yeah. All right. And it's going up against one of the more newer sports movies which had a lot of acclaim as well as kickback from fans in the 2021 family-friendly movie Space Jam, A New Legacy. A rogue artificial intelligence kidnaps the son of famed basketball player LeBron James, who then has to work with Bugs Bunny to win a basketball game. Of course, LeBron James stars as himself. Uh, John Cheadle, which is a great actor, he, he stars as the AI, G-Rhythm. You got Cedric Joe, who uh, uh, plays the character Dom James. And that, really, in all honesty, is really all you need to know. There are Sue Birds in it. Anthony Davis is in it. Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. Um, Damian Leonard is another NBA star that is in the film. Nika Agwumike? I can't. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm sorry, Nika. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. You're in it too, by the way. But uh, 
Anyways, um, a lot of people dislike this because they're of their love affair to the original Space Jam. I will give Space Jam this much credit, Chris. The new one, that is. It's actually better than I thought it was going to be. But I still don't like it. <laughs> That's not saying much. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, for me, Eric, the only thing having it worse than watching Space Jam is watching Space Jam 2. <laughs> oh, there you go. That sounds like something I'd say. Uh, you, you know, it's... I think, from what I saw, to me, it felt like it failed. You, you know, so... Uh, just on so many different levels. Now, I, and I was actually a little hyped to see this originally, because I thought, you know, LeBron has been in movies before he's done SNL. He's a, He's a very funny guy. I think he actually... He actually would be a better on-screen performer than what Jordan was. But it, it just didn't come out for me. It just it didn't work for me. Uh, and obviously, it's going up against what I think is not only one of the greatest sports sequels of all time, but maybe one of the greatest movie sequels of all time. Yeah. In Rocky 2. This yeah, Rocky, for me Rocky no 2, you can actually put in the same category, I feel like, when it comes to greatest sequels of all time with like maybe what t2 terminator 2 um the godfather 2 the godfather yeah yeah i mean those but sequels are legendary e- i think even Rocky my favorite sequel there. of all time it might be right up there with empire strikes back oh how could i forget that empire strike back greatest movie ever made in my opinion uh one of them uh anyways yeah. at least in the top five for me so yeah I, i'm with you and you know what by the largest margin ever in the history of doing this Rocky two had 89 votes to space jams three. So the listeners definitely agree with us. Well, there's a three, just lonely folks out there. <laughs> I won't name them. I won't name them. I won't give them credit, but, uh, they must really hate Rockies. All I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. Well, Eric, that only leaves this one bracket left and, and you probably know why I left this one for last, but, uh, that is our best of the rest bracket. So uh, let's hear about it. All right. Best of the rest. You've got Wildcats, a 13 seed going up against Kingpin, a bowling movie, the fourth seed. Uh, let's start with Wildcats first, since we've actually done this movie. We've also actually reviewed this movie back early on. It's a rookie high school football coach has a harder time than she expected trying to whip her tough inner city team into shape. Goldie Hahn plays Molly, the uh, female trying to make it in a man's world as coach. As a football coach, you've got Bruce McGill um, as the uh, opposing coach. Stars Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrison. They're on the team. Um, Nipsey Russell as the principal. Guys, this movie is phenomenal. Uh, go back and listen to I think it was, what, episode three or four maybe where we, we did yeah, uh, Wildcats. Right. Go back and listen to it. Watch the movie. It's phenomenal. My wife loves it. It's one of her favorites. Can't say enough good things about uh, Wildcats. It's going up against, though, number four seed Kingpin from 1996. A star bowler whose career was prematurely cut off hopes to ride a new prodigy to success and riches. And riches. Um, 
I won't go into too much detail here. It's got Randy Quaid, Woody Harrelson, Bill Murray, and Vanessa Angel uh, as the main leads in this movie. And I'll tell you, you'll figure out why we're not doing that here shortly. And of course, you probably already do if you looked at the at the, what this uh, title of this episode is. But uh, Kingpin, four seed, Wildcats, thirteen seed. Where are you going with this one, Chris? Well, first of all, let me say Wildcats at 13, I think, is is vastly underrated. Criminal. Uh, I love Wildcats. You know, I, I love the cast. I love the, the, the whole premise of the movie. Very funny movie. But, you know, as much as I love Wildcats, I think I've got to go with Kingpin. Uh, you know, I think it's got a great soundtrack. I think that the actual acting in the movie is superior. Randy Quaid, of course, very funny. Uh, awkwardly adorable, I think is a good way to describe him in this yes. movie. Yes, yes, great, uh, yes. Woody Harrelson, great. Uh, you know, Vanessa Angel, I thought was very good as well. And of course, Bill Murray, you know, we've said it before, this guy's one of the funniest actors in the world. Just hilarious. Yes. I gotta go with Kingpin. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Kingpin and as well. And even even though my wife would probably go with Wildcats, I'm going with Kingpin. I think the movie's hilarious. It's one of, to me to me Kingpin might be my uh, Talladega Nights for you. Yeah, I could see that. So yeah, I'm with Kingpin. You're with Kingpin, and the listeners agree with us. Thirty-five to twelve. I mean, Wildcats did get 12 votes there and, and a loss, so um, it, it did have a decent showing, but uh, Kingpin's going to move on in this thing as the fourth seed. All right. Well, then, of course, Eric, that's going to bring us to our movie for the week, which is, as we talked about, Kingpin. Kingpin was released in theaters July 26th of 1996. It had a budget of $25 million. Box office, it grossed $32.2 million. I was written by Barry Fennaro and Matt Norton, or Mort Nathan. Uh, it was directed by the Fairway Brothers, Peter and Bobby, who brilliant, brilliant directors, uh, writers, just great, uh, great movie people there. Uh, produced by... Brad Creevoy, Steve Stabler, Bradley Thomas, distributed by MGM Pictures. Uh, the movie, uh, the music for the movie was done by Freddy Johnston, who, by the way, I, I just think did a tremendous job. This film had a great soundtrack. You had you know, music from Cat Stevens, uh, The Tramp, Simon and Garfunkel, 
even the blues travelers got in there. So yeah, just, I thought a great soundtrack to the movie. As you mentioned a little bit ago, main actors, Woody Harrelson as Roy Munson, Randy Quaid as Ishmael, Vanessa Angel as Claudia. And of course the incomparable Bill Murray as Ernie McCracken. And, and just to rehash a little bit, the basic gist of the movie is Roy Munson was a young bowler, promising career until he, uh, his disreputable colleague, Ernie McCracken, trips, tricks him into participating in a con game that ends with Roy's bowling hand being destroyed. Uh, years later, Roy discovers this Amish bowling phenomenon. And with the help of a gangster's girlfriend, they plot to take Ishmael to the top of the bowling world. Uh, Eric, currently this film is on flick chart ranked 2,224th globally. Uh, it does win 38% of its matchups. It's had 12,826 viewers who have ranked the movie a total of 104,986 times. Five users actually have it as their number one movie. I don't know if it's number one worthy, but it's not bad. Uh, 140 users have it placed in their top 20. So, Eric, that being said... Let's do our deep dive into the 1986 bowling comedy, Kingpin. Let's do it. And let's start by traveling to rural Iowa in 1969, where a young Roy Munson, again, played by Woody Harrelson, as you said. But at this time, it's another actor. Um, it's actually played by Real, Will Rothhar, is the young Roy, is bowling with his father in the backyard of a filling station, old school filling station, late sixties, where you drive in, you hit the, hit the tube counter that rings a bell and the, the gentleman comes out and fills your tank up. That's kind of seen a scenario we have here. Anyways, Roy's bowling in the back of the filling station in a makeshift bowling alley. His dad has made for him and his dad tells him he's going to be a moral good man if he does what he tells him to do. And he will be a decent, good human and a blessed bowler because he's got uh, been blessed by God with such a great right hand. We fast forward 10 years to 1979. This is when Woody enters the Woody Harrelson enters the movie, Chris, and he's bowling in the Iowa State Bowling Championship, which looked more like a disco uh, dance floor than it did a bowling alley, I would say. Yeah. Roy is dominating the local alleys. He wins the state championship, uh, giving us the idea that uh, this is not going to be a typical film based off of the clothes and the dancing and the soundtrack that you mentioned, Chris. Uh, Roy's getting ready to head out on the road and make money as a big-time professional bowler. He goes to his first event where he comes up against the young but uh, noteworthy and up-and-coming Ernie McCracken, played by Bill Murray. I would describe Ernie as a brash and loud bowler, if you will, who will use any means necessary to win. Following the win, Roy mysteriously gets sugar in his in his tank. So Roy defeats Ernie in this tournament on the road, but uh, is at a filling station now with problems with his uh, car. Uh, the uh, filling station clerk tells him that's going to cost about two thousand dollars to fix the motor because there's sugar in it. Um, and then all of a sudden, up pops Ernie. He rolls in, uh, wants to fill it up uh, his his car up, his big boat wants to fill it up with gas. And uh, he's got this idea that he wants to pitch to Roy. So he says, hey, let's go out to dinner. I want to pitch something to you uh, about making some more money. 
Um, and so after dinner, it looks like the uh, naive Roy is agreeing to follow uh, Ernie. So he's pitching his wagon to Ernie here, the more experienced guy on the tour here. And uh, they go to what appears to be what we can only describe as a shady bowling alley on the second floor of a building. <laughs> They begin to hustle, calling themselves door-to-door salesmen. Roy's, um, and uh, he sets Roy up to bowl against a priest of all people, who talks about how that betting is really his only uh, sin here. And then he, he takes a drink from a, a lovely lady. Uh, then he says, "Well, I guess I have this one too." And then slaps her on the butt. So basically, this priest is essentially just not a priest, if you will. Um, Roy loses purposely, and and then he and Ernie bet $1,500, so basically all of Roy's earnings from the last uh, tournament, that uh, he can pick up the 7-10 split. And everybody's like, that's impossible. Yeah, right. And, of course, Roy does it, and he says, my name's Roy Munson, you know, kind of cocky and everything. They get back in the car, and these guys are after them. But Roy sees Sugar in the backseat of Ernie's car, and he realizes at that moment that he is being hustled by the hustler, if you will, being used by Ernie. But these guys are all attacking this car, busting the windshield, and Ernie's like, well, I guess we're just going to have to face it. Roy gets out. Ernie slams the door shut, speeds off, and and Roy has to face the crowd of guys who he just hustled who drag him back up into the bowling alley and stick his right hand into the bowling ball return, which uh, you then cut to a chipper scene, basically letting you know that his right hand, his bowling hand, was uh, obliterated in the return. Don't know if that's possible or not. I've often wondered that, Chris, as I've grown up. remember watching this movie when I was in, uh, I think, late junior high or early high school. Yeah, it was high school years. And I remember always being very fearful of the uh, bowling pin return <laughs> after seeing this movie. So I don't know if that's possible or not, but uh, sure, sure got me thinking about it when I was a youngster. We fast forward again, this time 17 years to modern day at that time, which isn't it crazy to say modern day, 1996? Yeah. That was 26 years ago, man. <laughs> this movie's over 25 years old, but yet it fast forwards to modern day 1996, where we find a balding middle-aged Roy who is an alcoholic with a hook for a hand living in the slums. Um, he gets to a bowling alley where he replaces his hook with a fake rubber hand, which becomes just a centerpiece of comedy throughout the film. He reveals himself as being a, tr- a struggling travel salesman selling bully- bowling alley goods to bowling alleys that don't want him, uh, having trouble making rent at this sorry apartment <laughs> that he owns. And when he hears the sound of someone bowling and he catches his attention because of the sound he makes, he walks up and meets the young Amish boy named Ishmael, played by Randy Quaid. And boy, did he play a perfect role here, man. Well, how did you describe it? Loving, lovable? No, uh, I, I, Something lovable, like a yeah, lovable adorable, big boy. Adorable, was, yeah. Perfect. Like an adorable, adorable awkward, character. Awkwardly adorable. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. Awkwardly adorable. Anyways, uh, 
Roy tells Ishmael that he that he manages bowlers, so he lies about what he really does. Ishmael says that he isn't interested. Roy comes home and sees someone robbing his landlady. This is bef- <laughs> so th- this scene. Okay, goes from bad to worse. It gave me nightmares, is what I can tell you <laughs> as a youngster. Okay, so he comes home and sees a a, a someone robbing his landlady. He saves her by throwing hot coffee in the robber's face, who runs off. And she's so thankful she gives him free rent for saving her saving her life. He then goes into the apartment where the robber's waiting for him. It's it was a setup the whole time, not knowing that she's gonna come over with a bottle of booze because you know she knows that he's an alcoholic and and she's got a flower in her hair and she's just gonna wine and dine uh, Roy right. By the way, uh, the landlady is played by Lynn Shay, and which she's a was a, just a, a gorgeous actress. I don't know how in the world they made her look so hideous, but they did. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Um, the movie called uh, it's the uh, Tom Cruise fantasy film where he like is trying to save a princess from uh, Satan, the devil, and he goes in the under the underworld. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie or not. Yeah. Okay. It's anyways. There is a witch that comes out of like a swamp in that movie. I swear they took that 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 witch and they tried to make her look like that. It's freaky, freaky. Anyways, I digress. Um, she sees what's going on. She just pitches a fit. Roy tries to save the day by not claiming "What are you doing here?" type of thing, throwing him out the window, but. She's like, I'm going to get what I want from you anyways, uh, which is so disgusting from for Roy that <laughs> after he does the dirty deed, he's in the bathroom throwing up. Um, I, I can't I can't tell you how bad this scene is if you've never seen it as far it's as so disgusting. <laughs> I, I literally like I said, I, I, I have. I have had nightmares about this my entire life, that scene, and, and, the, and the way that Lynn plays the landlady character. And we won't even yeah. talk about the whole tongue thing. Let's just move on, uh, which obviously haunts Roy, th- or, or Roy throughout the movie as well. Yes. Roy decides he needs to hustle the Amish um, because Ishmael is his ticket out of poverty. So he goes over to Amish country where he tries to play an Amish man. And of course he does not fit into the Amish community at all. Cause he knows nothing about them. Um, Ishmael reveals to Roy that his grandfather snuck him into the bowling alley when he was a kid, but no one knows the secret. Roy tells Ishmael that he believes he can win a bowling tournament in a couple of weeks. And he, if he's as his coach, of course he also learns that Ishmael's family is going to lose their farm. They owe half a million dollars to the bank um, and Roy thinks, hey, if I if, if you can go and win tournaments, we can save this farm type of thing. Let's let's make this work. But he's got to he's got to convince not only Roy, but Roy's family to trust him. And so he, he he's going to do everything he can to become Amish. And the barn raising scene is hilarious. He hears the cowbell ring, dinner's ready, and he just leaves the guys high and dry, and the barn falls apart. And I love where uh, Ishmael's brother walks up to him and says, I don't know how you raise a barn in Ohio, but here in Pennsylvania, you do not walk away <laughs> to the dinner table. I thought that is, I, I thought it was hilarious. And of course, when he goes to milk the cow for the family, oh. 
and comes back yeah. with milk all over. Like he's got a milk mustache, an entire bucket of milk. And then the father informs Roy, we don't own a cow. We have a bull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, he convinces uh, uh, Ishmael to leave with him. Ishmael uh, tells everybody he's going to go on a mission, chi- mission trip with brother Roy. And that is how the first third of this movie opens, where we have the majority of the characters uh, already casted. What do you think of this? How this movie opened up here, Chris? Yeah, I, I really loved the buildup in the movie. Uh, you know, Roy's character, I think, developed really nicely. We see that, you know, and, and by the way, can I just say Woody Harrelson plays such a good simp. Yeah. <laughs> he really does. Yeah. yeah. You know, whether it was in this, whether it was in Wildcats, going back to his TV time on Cheers. He just plays a really good simpleton. He really does. Mm-hmm. He uh, kind of has a little bit of that in White Man Can't Jump, too. Yeah, actually. yeah. And I do. I absolutely loved the buildup of the movie. I thought they developed the characters really well. Uh, like you, a little disturbed by the by the rental the rent scene, but uh, you know, other than that, I thought they really did a great job of uh, of developing. The backstory, uh, especially Ishmael's backstory, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you find out, like you said, about his grandfather sneaking him into the bowling alleys and and, uh, you know, you, you hear about the family struggles. And, yes, the Amish community stuff is great. Uh, like when the like when Roy comes in for dinner, or yes. sorry, Ishmael comes in for dinner and kisses his grandma who has grandma, yeah. beard. <laughs> he pulls the hair out of his teeth, out of his mouth. That cracks me up every time. Well, and from the, the get go, the, the the little girl in town, you can just sense a sexual tension between uh, Ishmael and, and this girl who, you know, she only makes two or three appearances in the in the film, but you know, you can just see that you know he's got her, she's got him smitten. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, I thought they did a really good job. And I'm with you. The barn raising scene. By far the funniest scene of the whole bunch, although the disturbing bowl scene might have been <laughs> up there. But that, you this, know, this movie de- definitely pushed the envelope at times. Yes. Again, th- again, we've I don't know but how many worked. times we've said this, Chris. I don't know you can make this movie today and get away. Oh, with no it. way. No way. Absolutely not. I mean, we we I'm sure we'll get into it in the next se- segment a little bit too. But I mean, you've got the robbery thing. You've got the 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 gratuitous sex scene you don't see. <laughs> yeah. Thank thank God. The, the 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 falling out. We I should say it's not that they. Yeah. The falling out the of what what transpired yeah. in order for him to not lose his uh his apartment. Yeah. But, but still very suggestive. Yes, very. Uh, you've got the the scene there where you're basically, I think, in a sense, at times mocking the Amish community. Not, I don't think yes. that was an intent. I, I definitely don't think that was an intent, but I think that's kind of what it is. And well, then, I would. We, we, we can't, you know, we can I, can I, one, can I right. make one comment about that? Because I think the reason why you can do that then and you couldn't do it today is because. In the in the nineties, when 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 you were you know when you were a you know post teenager and I was a teenager, it was okay to make fun of everything. 
Yeah, we didn't have all the Karens were still in diapers at that time. So. <laughs> yeah, we you could make fun of liberal people, you can make fun of conservative people, you can make fun of um, yes, you can make fun of your skin color. It didn't matter your nationality. None of the you could make fun of everything, and it was acceptable. Um, where where today, you know, it's deemed deemed unacceptable to make fun of certain things and. It really waters down the comedy, in my opinion. That's, that's oh, just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail right there on the head. I mean, if you look at it through the through the '80s and the '90s, and even the into the start of the early 2000s, who were who were the greatest comedians of that time? You had guys like Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor and George Carlin, who, who uh, they just didn't care. They made fun of everybody. Yeah, everything and everyone. You got yes. it. Yes. So, but yeah, I, I, again, I like the, I like the introduction of the movie, but I'm with you. I don't think it can be done today. All right, let's move on to the second part. So, we now have Ishmael out on the road with Roy, and Roy is basically teaching him all these bad earthly habits, if you will, to the naive uh, Amish boy who's been sheltered. First one is smoking. Uh, <laughs> I love. I actually thought it was so hilarious how. Roy's like, hey, smoking's not bad. I mean, think about it. The tobacco industry wouldn't want to kill off all the people who are buying their products. Of course they make it safe, right? Which is obviously just – if you go back to that time period, that is just the beginning. uh, It was probably in the middle of the – of the whole banning of uh, tobacco in uh, as far as ads are concerned, where now you don't see tobacco yeah. ads at all and things of that nature. But um, the, so they were a little bit ahead of the curve on that joke. Uh, he goes from smoking to coffee. <laughs> and um, anyways, uh, they go to their first bowling. Yeah, by the way, Eric, did you did you know that cigarettes were a stimulant? Yes, so is coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyways, Roy all of a sudden gets smacked in the face because uh, he thought Ishmael was a 270 bowler, and he comes out of his first match bowling a 186, and he's like, what are you talking about? And Ishmael basically says to him, well, that's because, like I told you, uh, we do everything you do plus half more. So <laughs> meaning you know, you put – you work eight hours, we work 12. You bowl 10 frames, we bowl 15. <laughs> And so Roy is just irate, and then basically Ishmael's like, well, then I'm just going to go back home. But Roy realizes I'm stuck now, so he he lies to Ishmael and says, oh, you, this was just a test. You passed the test. And the naive Ishmael's like, oh, well, then that's great. And so then we have what I could only call a bowling training montage. <laughs> <laughs> where yes. the, the experienced Roy Munson in his rubber hand is trying to teach the naive Ishmael, the Amish boy, how to better his game. Uh, hilarious scenes. Good soundtrack, like you mentioned. By the way, back uh, uh, backtrack to the, the terrible scene we were talking about, the fallout of being with the landlady. How about uh, they used Hello Darkness, My Old Friend as the song? Yes. Long to that. Yes. Forgot to mention that one. All right. Roy reveals to Ishmael that in order to get to Reno, Nevada, to win the the half a million dollars or win the million dollars and save his family's farm, they're going to have to hustle on their way to get there. And of course, of course, Ishmael's like, no way. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to bet. And then, and then. Uh, Roy's like, well, you don't have to. I'm going to bet for you. And then he's like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. 
Uh, and then we also find out, but he's going to have to make um, Ishmael kind of lie. And since Ishmael's an um, a good Amish boy, um, he's a terrible liar. So the first hustle they get to, the, the, the owner of the bowling alley is like, look, guys, I see right through what you guys are doing here. If you really want to win some money, here's a phone number and an address. Go to this guy's house tonight and you you can bowl for money. They roll up to this huge mansion where it's thousand dollars per game. And uh, we, we meet Rob uh, or we meet Stanley, uh, the rich man named Stanley, who's played by Rob Moran. Uh, does a good job, and his girlfriend Claudia, played by the gorgeous Vanessa Angel, um, and we have one of the more iconic, uh, shall we say, nipply scenes of all time in cinema. Uh, and the <laughs> Which one, Eric? <laughs> That's what I said. It's an all-time great one, right? It's both. Uh, where Claudia is trying to distract these men to get them off their game so that her boyfriend Rob will win the thousand dollars. Problem is Ishmael can't be distracted because as he reveals to Woody when they're going up to bowl, the joke's really on on Stanley here because his girlfriend Claudia, with her narrow hips, she can only give you know maybe six to seven children. So. Uh, obviously, um, she's not she's not as attractive to uh, to Ishmael as uh, as uh, most men would be. We would say. Um, anyways, uh, Ish has got to bowl three strikes in a row to win the thousand dollars. He does. He's not distracted by Claudia, and that's when uh, Stanley sees that Roy had a hundred dollar bill wrapped around Monopoly money, so he didn't even have a thousand dollars. And Stan and his goon decide they're going to beat the crap out of Roy and Ishmael. But <clears throat> Claudia, who in the scene before that gets smacked around by Stanley, abused by him physically, decides I'm I've had enough. She kicks the lights off, and Roy and Ishmael are able to make a getaway along with Claudia, who uh, flattens her boyfriend's tire with a uh, with a knife, and they start to get away. We then cut to a scene where Ishmael's father sends his older son to go and find Ishmael uh, and bring him back to the farm. So now we have Ishmael's older brother in a horse and buggy traveling across the country uh, to, to Reno, Nevada, to find his brother to bring him home back to Pennsylvania. We now have Roy Ish and Claudia are on the road together, and we have the scene where uh, the naive Roy is asked to dance by a young lady. That leaves Ish, uh, excuse me, Ishmael to dance with a young lady. That leaves Roy and Claudia to now work out the details and how they're going to use Ishmael to start to uh, hustle on their way to Nevada. And then this young lady who's dancing with Ish, her boyfriend walks in. Now, I I haven't been able to confirm. I think the boyfriend was Roger Clemens. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it, it may have been. I think it was. I I have looked at the, the cast, and I've not seen anybody as far as, like, uh, who the boyfriend was. But I swear that was Roger Clemens. In, in the film, which would be hilariously awesome. Anyways, Roy gets him out of the situation by walking and punching Ish straight in the face, knocking him out. And uh, and then they're back in the car, and Claudia's kind of babying 
Ishmael and and kind of kind of making Ish kind of lean to more towards her than Roy as far as who sh- who he should be trusting. They then start to hustle their way uh, across the country uh, with Claudia doing her thing, distracting everybody with some amazingly awesome scenes. If you're a um, uncultured swine dude like me, as Aaron would say. <laughs> Anyways, they get to this one place where she's just not working, Chris. And she's unable to distract these old farmers. And Ish tells um, – whispers in the ear of Roy who goes out and gets a sheep. And now all of a sudden these old farmers are distracted as it can be because there's a sheep there. Um, kind of strange comedy. I, I, I know what they're implying, but uh, I didn't find that as funny. But and then it distracts them nonetheless. They then get to a retirement home where they're hustling these old – old women in this retirement home who don't have <laughs> money this. to pay. So they end up taking her scooter. The woman's on a scooter bowling yes. and they end up tying it to the trunk of his car. So that's funny. Um, while this is all going on, Ish is learning more and more about the ways of the world, shall we say, including a stop at a gentleman's club. Um, this then uh, brings us to when Roy and Claudia have a fight. Roy tries to <laughs> ditch Claudia and and they go out to the car and Claudia is actually sitting there in the car waiting for them. They have a physical fight, which is just stupidly funny. And after they're done fighting, Ishmael uh, has left them a, a letter that basically uh, he can't believe that uh, they're doing this to one another and he's leaving. So they're trying to find where he's going. So they're still driving across the country when they get to iowa again and roy goes across the old sees the old filling station that's now deserted the town's all changed and roy's reflecting on his life and he feels the disappointment of letting his dad down and becoming such a bum um he reveals that he got word that his father had passed away 10 years ago but he didn't even have the nerve to go back uh to the funeral because he was so embarrassed about the man he had become this really pulls on claudia's heartstrings and she says, all right, Roy, let's start over with this relationship and let's go find Ishmael. They then find him, Chris, <laughs> at a gentleman. Oh, they club. find him, all right. Yeah. And he is dancing as a male stripper. <laughs> they have they, they save him and apologize to him. And the rest of the trip to Nevada, they're having a good time together. Ishmael uh, wakes up after a night of drinking and drugging to find a small tattoo on his chest once they reach Nevada, and he is just devastated. He is, oh my goodness, I've committed a sin and desecrated my body, and I can't go home. And it's literally – it's uh, a, a small three- or four-leaf clover on his chest, probably the size of a dime. He's looking in the mirror, and he's just like, well, I guess it's not that bad, and doesn't see on his back a tattoo of a giant woman. <laughs> that Roy's like, I'm just not going to say nothing about that one. We then see uh, when they're in the casino, they meet up with Ernie McCracken. Once again, old Bill Murray's back. He has become uh, a very successful bowler, one of the best bowlers in the world. He sarcastically apologizes to Roy about his hand while making jokes about it the whole time. And also um, uh, and throughout the movie as well. There's a saying, you got Munson, 
or, you know, which is Roy's last name, which we then find out that Ernie had made up about being Munsoned, um, which just adds more fuel to the fire and spits in the face of Roy. This makes uh, Ishmael very, very upset. He wants to defend his friend's honor. He goes to punch Ernie, uh, who ducks, and Ish hits the wall with his hand. We find out that Ish's hand is is broken, uh, and while and while Roy is uh, helping Ish with his hand and you know trying to figure out what's what we're gonna do here, Claudia then runs into her old boyfriend Stanley, and in order to keep Stanley from going and finding Roy and Ishmael and beating them up, she decides, hey, I'm just gonna take the money. Here's the money. I'll give it to you. Let's just go, you know, and leave him alone. I'm back with you, type of thing. And she does it to save him, uh, in order to protect them. Uh, so, Ish then shows Roy his hands broken, and they find out that Claudia's left them and took the money with her. And Roy is devastated. He thinks it's over, and Ishmael says, "No, it's not over. We can still win this tournament, um, and you're going to be the one who does it." Roy and Roy's like, "I can't do it. I have a rubber hand. How in the world am I ever going to beat?" You know, win a bowling tournament, and then Roy sees an, a commercial where Ernie is just trying to look like he's doing a good deed, but we all know he's only doing it to get with these single moms here, and it just fires Roy up, and he says, "All right, um, we're gonna do this." But what really capped it off was uh, Ernie saying it at the end of the uh, commercial about not getting munsoned. So that's the bulk of the middle scene. Now, I would say a lot of times, Chris, this is where a movie drags down. Not this one. This movie now, starts off at, at, at like 80 miles an hour, and, and we're now trucking at 90 to 100 here. So what would you think about the middle third of this movie? Oh, I loved it. I loved the development. I loved the way we see you know Ishmael get modernized, so to speak. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, you, you start seeing the relationship develop between uh, uh, Munson and Claudia. Uh, I, I <laughs> love the fight scene. You know what I mean? I always love a good cheesy fight scene. And, and for me, that was one of the highlights of, this, <laughs> of the movie. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I thought they really, like you said, the movies will tend to lag in this middle as they're trying to, you know, you've got the backstory, the development portion uh, where they're trying to really develop the character seems to lag, but I think they did such a good job at the beginning getting these characters set that they could just springboard right into it. They didn't have to go into a bunch of development with the characters that slows the movie down and you could just stay right with the action. Uh, great training montage, as you said, with the bowling, um, just, and, and a lot of, funny scenes uh the the getting munson thing you mentioned i thought was great you know that actually started up right there at the beginning when uh ishmael first said it back when and, and that that is probably what flipped boy into to stay with him instead of just letting him go back home uh you know we we got that at the end of the first segment of the movie uh but but yeah, I thought they did a really really good job of keeping the action going. Uh, the scene in the the I guess we'll call it the gangster's house because I don't remember the name of the boyfriend who was abusive. Yeah, uh, but Stanley. I thought that was a really great scene. Um, and, and then 
seeing him come back there at the end and you see Claudia torn and, and knowing that she's going to kind of break their hearts by leaving and taking the money, but doing it to save them. I, I think that really, you know, kind of puts her over the top as, as a bit of a favorite. Um, and then just we start getting the build up into that redemption at the end. That part that we, you know, that we always look for in a good sports film, that that end is always the redemption. Uh, and I thought they did a great job of keeping the action going, building up to it. So let's talk about the redemption. Roy rolls, rolls into the tournament in straight up 70s attire, man. Like the, the dude is stuck in 1979. No doubt about it. Pizza again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, what I thought was a, a charming part of the movie, he he goes in to, to you know sign up here here I'm I'm here to bowl, and uh, these two elderly women say, oh there's a problem you haven't paid your dues in 17 years and he's like oh man what do, what do I owe 38 bucks. <laughs> well, and, and first they laugh at him Eric just for saying his name. Yeah, I know, because, yeah, yeah, right, you're not Roy Munson, you know. Anyways, he gives his uh, state championship ring as collateral because he doesn't have 38 bucks. <laughs> the announcers, um, um, which I didn't know if you caught this or not, but the, the announcer for the, the beginning of the tournament, did you know who that was? I don't recall, no. It is the lead singer for Blues Traveler. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so nice little cameo there for him, and of course he will be later in the movie as well. Um, but uh, I thought that was really cool. I caught that on the second t- second viewing this past week. I was like, oh, that's John Popper from Blues Traveler. That's who that is. Anyway, so they have this opening scene where they all make this opening bowl to kick off the show, and everybody does it at the same time except for Roy, who's who hasn't made a uh, has not thrown a bowling ball down an alley in 17 years? He's terrified. He goes to do it, and there's the rubber <laughs> hand again. Comes right off the hook and goes down the alley with the ball. St- fingers still stuck in the ball, but he gets a strike, and he's like, right. turns around. He asks his opponent, "Do you have a screwdriver?" And then the ball shoots out with the hand, and the ball returning. He goes, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> Love that scene. Yeah, that's good. Ernie's just, uh, anyways, Ernie's kicking butt throughout the tournament. Roy's barely surviving at the beginning, but he is still winning. But he's getting a little better with each time. And win after win, you can tell Roy is getting his mojo back uh, throughout the course of this, which, again, has a great soundtrack playing with great music behind uh, uh, these scenes. Um, But Ernie is definitely more elaborate as the tournament goes on with his outfits. They do this on purpose, getting to that last Last great match where, where Ernie's just got this attire that's just straight up hilarious. Anyway, anyways, um, you can tell that things are shaping up for Roy Munson, Ernie McCracken final. It's going to happen, right? But before the uh, finals begin, Ish finds Roy puking, and Ish gives him a hug, and he says, you know, did you drink last night? And Roy goes, I, don't, I never throw up when I drink. So uh, you can just tell it's nerves. And the announcers, who are from ESPN, uh, let everyone know that Roy is being called now the rubber man because of his hand. Important part to, to, to yeah. note before the end of the movie. Roy reveals um, – Anyways, uh, Ernie then reveals his Rose bowling ball, which is is a hilarious uh, addition to this final here. And Ernie plays to the crowd um, when Roy goes the bowl, um, the, goes to make his first bowl. The infamous kissing bandit makes an appearance. 
Um, of course, this is a real person who would show up at sporting events and run onto the field and to kiss a pitcher or a quarterback or somebody famous, a golfer, whoever, um, before being being escorted out off the playing field um, or surface. Um had done this throughout the 70s and 80s into the 90s, this uh, this famous lady. Anyway, she makes an appearance doing the same thing. And um, uh, the other thing I love about this is as the tournament's going on, Ernie's hair gets crazier yes. and crazier. Um, we then uh, catch back up with Claudia. Um, Stan goes to make a phone call. You can tell they're they're in a – they're, they've made a place to bet somewhere, and he's going to go make a phone call, and she asked the bartender to turn on ESPN so she can watch the finals. She's definitely cheering for Roy. And as the match gets to the end, Roy leaves the infamous 7-10 split, which is just almost impossible in bowling to, uh, to pick up that spare. This is when Ishmael's brother shows up to take him home. So the older Amish brother has traveled all the way across country by horse and buggy to pick up his brother. And, and Ishmael's like, we can't leave. This is the last, you know, this is the end of the tournament and I've got, I've, I haven't finished my alcohol or anything and we, we can't go now. And he's like, Oh, we're leaving right now. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so obviously Ishmael's going to listen to his older brother. Um, and then we see Roy pick up the split, which then forces Ernie to hit three straight strikes at the end here, get that turkey in to win the tournament. Ernie hits the first one, then the second one. And by this point, Chris, his hair is so out of shape and ridiculous that just looking at it makes you laugh. And yeah. then he hits that third strike and falls to the floor, begins rolling around like a child, screaming that he's the greatest of all time, that he has now made enough money that he can do whatever he wants and no one can touch him. Um, he goes to shake hands with Roy, which he, you know, Roy shakes his hand. He pulls off the rubber hand, throws it in the crowd as a souvenir. Uh, and then Roy just sits back down in his chair, just stunned uh, you know, until everybody leaves. He's the only guy left. Other than the janitor who picks up his hand, hands it back to him, and Roy lets out this tribal scream of, of just frustration. We then find Roy is getting ready to leave uh, when Stan and his goons show up to find Claudia. They uh, say, hey, uh, Claudia has gone again. Where is she? And Roy's like, I don't know. She didn't, you know, she didn't come here. And they're like, well, she's been making all these phone calls to Ernie. Who's this Ernie guy? And he goes on to tell him that Ernie's the one who gave me this and shows him his fake hand. And they said, well, then we're going to go find him. So they go to find him. Of course, she did this on purpose to get them off of her scent because she was going back to try to find Ernie or excuse me, find Roy. We then open up with Roy back at uh, uh, back at his um, apartment, and he's pouring out all his liquor. When Claudia shows up, and she's got the all the money with with uh, with her, and she reveals that Stan had made a a bet with the money uh, uh, on uh, Ernie beating Roy, and so that he had she had doubled uh, his money, and that's what she had with him to give to him as an apology. But um, Roy reveals to her that it's okay because um, he got half a million dollar check to be the new spokesman for Trojan condoms since he <laughs> is the rubber man. So uh, that's that's a good spot. But then he basically lets her know, like, look, I'm going to make this right and I'm going to give this cause money to Ishmael's family because this is what it was all about for him. And she agrees. And so 
We then find Ishmael returning home from a long trip horse and buggy from Nevada all the way back to Pennsylvania with his older brother. When they walk in, there is Roy and Claudia sitting at the dinner table with his family, and he goes, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And his dad says, they have told us everything you did, all of the drinking, the drugging, the sinning you have done. And we are so proud of you because you have shown them the light. You have changed their ways. You quoted scripture to them the whole time. And now Roy is none, not going to do any more of that sinning, and Claudia is no longer a whore because of you. <laughs> oh, um, he's like, oh, you guys. At the end of the movie, he gives Claudia a big kiss and hug. And the movie ends with Blues Traveler starting to sing as the credits begin to roll, and we see Roy and Claudia give each other a big kiss. They're now going to be a couple, and we see all the Amish community uh, beginning to dance with uh, Ish as he uh, has the most experience in the community dancing, if you remember, as they're dancing to Blues Traveler, who's on a stage, who are dressed up in their own Amish gear, and that is how the movie ends. Chris, what did you think of the ending, and what did you think about the movie overall? I absolutely loved it. I thought that I thought that the ending of the movie was it was really heartwarming. I, I thought that first of all, you know, at the beginning you don't really get the the feel for the brother. You don't necessarily like the brother. Then at the end, I really liked the brother. You know, that the whole pep talk he gave Ish on the way home about how they're going to forgive you. They're not going to think down about you. You know, you went out there and did this to try to help the family. Uh, yay you. You know that I thought that was really good. Uh, of course, you, you love the good redemption story with with Claudia and with Roy both. Um, very, very <laughs> just a very funny scene at the dinner table. Uh, I love the fact that you know. I just wish we would have find, found out what actually happened to Ernie. Yeah. Because you know he had the, got the whooping he had coming all along. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I thought they really did a great job wrapping up this film. I love the end. I love Blues Traveler and the Amish garb at the end. Uh, the, the most awkward dance scene you've ever seen at the end. Uh, but, but, again, I'll go back to it. I said it earlier. Adorably awkward. It yeah. just made you feel good seeing it. Yeah. So, I love the movie. I thought they ended it tremendously. Uh, you know, it's one I hadn't seen in a long, long time. And I'm really glad you recommended it last week because it really it's a good one. It is a good one. It's it's not one. Um, like I said, I, it's one that I can watch in bits and, bits and pieces and still feel good about. So there are yeah. certain scenes that I will pull up on YouTube and watch just for when I'm needing a good chuckle. Um, and it's been a while. It had been a while since I had really watched, sat down and watched the whole thing. I ended up watching it twice since um, since we had uh, I had uh, suggested it as our next film. So uh, I'm glad I did. I think I think there's a lot of really good parts in Kingpin that I really enjoy, and I'm glad we watched it. So let's add it to Flitchart, shall we? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Uh, Kingpin from 1996 going up against another 90s film from 1994. Blue chips. I think I'm going to go with Kingpin here. Boy, you know, I love blue chips. I really do. 
But you know, there's one thing that Blue Chips does not have, and that's Bill Murray. Bill Murray. <laughs> if Bill I'm Murray would go with King Blue Pen. Chips, yeah, Blue, that would change that whole movie. Oh, here we go. It's you versus me on this one. Kingpin against Talladega Knights, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby from 2006. <sighs> you know, I, I just really got like done Kingpin. telling you this was my Talladega Nights. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I really, I do love uh, love Kingpin, but. I just think the orange screen chemistry with with Will Ferrell and and John C. Riley, I think the Talladega Nights is better for me. All right, uh, King. Uh, let's go with the uh, Tails Kingpin heads Talladega Nights. Oh, Tails it is. Kingpin moves on. Kingpin against Bull Durham from 1988. This is Bull Durham for me. Yeah, I don't even think there's a question here. Bull Durham oh. may be one of the most complete sports films ever. Yeah, it's a good one. Oh, man. Here we go. Kingpin against from the same year, 1996, Happy Gilmore. Oh. Yeah. Eric, I think I got to go Happy Gilmore. Yeah, give me Happy. Take me to my happy place. Yeah. All right, Kingpin against from 2019, Ford v. Ferrari. I think I'm going to go Ford v. Ferrari. I, I think I've got to. It's it's the better movie overall. I mean, yeah, I mean, Kingpin's a great comedy, but Ford v. Ferrari is the better movie. All right, Kingpin against from 2004, Million Dollar Baby. Oh, again, same argument as we just had. It's Million Dollar Baby here. I'm going with Kingpin, I think. We'll do the same thing. Tails, Kingpin, head, Heads, Million Dollar Baby. I'm two for two today. Kingpin gets it. And Kingpin now is going to be number 19 on our flick chart. Number 19. So to go over the 11 through 24 real quick, Bull Durham 11, Varsity Blues 12, Major League 13, We Are Marshall 14, Happy Gilmore 15, I, Tanya 16, Invincible 17, Ford v Ferrari 18, Kingpin 19, Million Dollar Baby 20. What do you think? I like Kingpin. I just don't know if it's a top 20 for me or not. Mm, okay. I, I don't know that it's top 20. I, I, would, I, say it's, I would say it's top 30. Okay. But I don't know if it's top 20. We have um, we have some more movies to add that we forgot to do earlier, so let's do that real quick, yes. shall we? We already got Wildcats on the list. Do you want to re-rank Wildcats? Do you want to try that? See if it let's does do it. Why not? Okay. That's a good thing. Every now and then we can just go back and re-rank a, a film, so we shall do that. Um, I won't tell you what it currently is ranked. I will let you know after we rank, re-rank it, okay? Sounds good. All right. Here we go. So. Up first, Wildcats from 1986 against The Natural from 1984. You know what? Honestly, The Natural is, probably, is the better film, but I love Wildcats. I'm going to take Wildcats. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you. I'm taking Wildcats. Wildcats against Friday Night Lights from 2004. This is Friday Night Lights all the way. Yeah, yeah. This is this is where it, it drops. I, I can't go against you there. Friday Night Lights for me as well. All right, uh, Wildcats against The Blind Side from 2009. Mm. Well, this just this almost feels like am I in the mood for a comedy or am I in the mood for a drama? Yeah, it does. Because I think it? they both 
I gotta go to the blind side, Eric. I I, I want me Wildcats, too. But I gotta go to the blind side. Yeah, I agree. I'll agree. Wildcats against the Mighty Ducks from 1992. <sighs> There's that. There is there uh, there is serious pause on both of our parts here. I think yeah, I'm you know what? Go Mighty I, Ducks. I th- I think I'm gonna go Wildcats. Okay. Uh, tails, Wildcats, heads, Mighty Ducks. Heads it is. I'm three for three. Man. Oh, Wildcats against from 1993, Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings all day long. Yeah, I can't go can't go Richard there. I love that one. And Wildcats against Creed from 2015. You know what? I'm, I'm going to say this. I said it earlier. Creed's probably the better movie. I'm going to go Wildcats. All right. Tails, Wildcats, heads, Creed. And Tails it is. Wildcats moves on. And Wildcats moves from 48 to 40. I'll take it. Moved up eight spots. All right. Uh, You want to do the bronze next? Let's do it. This should be very interesting where where this ends up going. Here we go. All right. First up. The bronze from 2015 against the natural from 1984. The natural is the better movie. I mean, it definitely is. There's just so many slow spots in the natural. It is. And and the bronze just is one that I could actually sit and watch a few times just because. There's a lot going on there. (laughs) There's a lot going on. And it's just so daggone funny. I'm, you Give me the bronze, Eric. I'm going to agree with you. Let's do it. Let's let's shake things up. The bronze against Talladega Nights from 2006. Talladega Nights. I agree. Yep, I agree. The bronze against Dodgeball from 2004. I like Dodgeball. Yeah, me too. The bronze against Any Given Sunday from 1999. I'll oh, take that's Gino, man. Gino all the way. Cool. The bronze against the Wildcats from 1986. I think the bronze is a little better here. I think it actually is as well. I'm going to agree with you. All right. The bronze against Cool Runnings from 1993. Uh, oh, cool cool runnings. runnings. All day long. Yeah. So the bronze just kicked the Wildcats out of that 40th spot. So the bronze now sits at 40 while Wildcats moved down to 41. All right, dude. Let's do it. It's Space Jam time. Let me add this one in here. This is going to be interesting because the original Space Jam from 1996 is already on here. So let's see what happens. Okay. Uh, Space Jam from 2021, A New Legacy, up against Leatherheads from 2008. I'll take Leatherheads all day. Leatherheads all day. Yeah. Space Jam against Rookie of the Year from 1993. I'm going to go Rookie of the Year. I am as well. Space Jam against the Sixth Man. I'm going Sixth Man, but I know you hate that movie. I really do. I really give me Space Jam. All right, I'm not Tails. a big fan of either. Tails, Space Jam, heads the Sixth Man. Heads it is. Space Jam against Rebound. Well, again, and I, neither one is one I'm fond of. Yeah. I'll take Space Jam. Oh, man. Yeah, you're probably right. All right, I'll agree with you. On the Space- strength of Bugs Bunny. 
<laughs> there you go. Space Jam against Mr. 3000. Now this one I can get this time. I, I, I can't stand Mr. 3000. Give me Space Jam. Yeah, I'll take Space Jam here as well. It had to happen. It had to happen. One versus two? Space Jam from 2021 against Space Jam from 1996. Give me Michael Jordan all day long. He is the GOAT. Sorry, LeBron. You will never be Michael Jordan, ever. You know, I agree with you. Two just failed to live up. Thank you. That means Space Jam, A New Legacy, is sitting at number 79, and we've got one more movie to add here before we end the show. Little Big League. Well, that's going to slide a few of those ones at the tail down a bit, I think. Let's, uh... Let's see what happens here. All right. Little Big League against The Natural. It's The Natural. Yeah, every day of the week. Little Big League against Mr. Baseball. I still think Mr. Baseball's better. Yeah, I think Mr. Baseball's better. Give me the mustache. Yeah, <laughs> a little Sally. Uh, so here we go. Little Big League against the original Space Jam from 1996. Oh, Little Big League without a yeah. doubt. Yeah, give me a little big. Oh, here you go. These two, both these films were made the same year, 1994. They're basically trying to be the same thing almost, kind of. Little Big League against Little Giants. Oh, Little Giants. Yeah, I'm going to make you happy and go Little Giants. Little Big League against Fighting With My Family from 2019. Here, I'm going to go Little Big League. I'm going to I'm gonna make you flip one, Eric. I'm going to take Fighting With My Family. All right. Tails, Little Big League. Heads, Fighting With My Family. Heads it is. Fighting With My Family wins. Little Big League against Ice Princess from 2005. We just added Little this one league. last. Yeah, okay. I'm with you. And Little Big League now sits at number 75. We now have 87 movies on our flick chart, and Little Big League is at number 75. I think it might be a little better than that myself. but I think it is too. I digress. All right, Chris, over to you, man. Finish it off here. What are we watching next? All right, Eric. So for the next episode, man, I want to hit the diamond. Maybe the only baseball I get to see this season. Yeah. So let's do it right. Let's go with my Cleveland Indians. That's right. I said the Indians, not the Guardians. Let's watch Major League Two. Oh, we're going with the second one, are we? Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to confess to you. I've never seen it. Well, I'll tell you, it is not as good as the first, but I've seen worse. Well, it's not the Sandlot too, huh? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy, that was a that was a train wreck. Oh, yes, it is. All right, Eric. So that's going to do it for today's shows. Remember to please rank us and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts. Also, make sure you're following us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash varsity videos. Until next time, see you at the field, on the court, and in the theater. Have a good day. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.